Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Elizabeth Irvine, VP of Marketing at Market Muse. Elizabeth, it's great to have you on the program. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about Market Muse. Sure. Market Muse is a content intelligence and strategy platform with a mission of setting the standard for content quality. We use AI to empower marketing teams with solutions to predict and automate the creation of quality content to increase go-to-market success and efficiency. Okay, very cool. And it seems like a very good business to be in these days because whatever business you're in, whatever you're selling, you are also a content business. You're, you have to be in the content business, right? You have to kind of be like a media business, even if that's Almost not really your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And as, as anyone in marketing knows, it's, it's not easy to create good content at scale and, and keep doing it time after time. So I can imagine you guys, uh, imagine this is a, a very active space. <laughs> yes, there's our... Our audience is really anybody who's using content to engage their audience. Mm -hmm. um, you could argue anybody with the website is really our audience. So it's it's broad, and the the goals and the way that those teams are shaped and who's creating that content really varies, and is is quite vast in in every organization. So it's mm -hmm. there's a lot of content to manage, no matter no matter what the team size. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's talk a little bit more about your audience. So like you said, it's that sounds extremely broad, right? Any any company yeah. with a website, which is pretty much every company on earth, right? Large and small. Yeah. So so give, a, give us an example of within a given account, who are you trying to talk to? Who are the decision makers that you need to engage with? They, they really center around the marketing team. Usually there's, for mid-market and enterprise companies, there's a content focus, a content marketer. They'll have either internal writers or freelancers. There's usually an editorial layer. So those are three or four titles already that I've mentioned. There's an SEO team or an individual who applies a, a data layer to make sure that keywords are are have the right focus and mm. technical specs are applied with small teams. This can often be all rolled, all rolled into one person. Sometimes yeah. that person is even the owner. So for us, finding the right title is, is challenging sometimes, but usually there's some sort of content or marketing focus in the title itself, but it's, it spans across the organization. There's, we're talking to more organizations who, ask for their team members to contribute content because they want to hear from individuals. They want to hear those voices and get to know people. So it's not, it's, it's not a consistent formula necessarily every time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So part of your challenge then is it really simply figuring out who to talk to at a given account, which, which people in which roles, right? It might be one person. It might be a whole range of people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and when you do nail down like, aha, okay, we need to talk to these people or this one person, 
What other challenges do you face once you've identified, okay, we want to have a conversation with that person? What are some of the roadblocks in place that you that you have to overcome in order to actually get their attention? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Scott Brinker's graphic, but no. the MarTech landscape gets bigger and bigger every year. He, he publishes a graphic that I can't remember the first year it was published, but every time he publishes it, it gets bigger and bigger, but the logos get smaller and smaller because mm-hmm. there's maybe a thousand new MarTech companies that surfaced or have changed and expanded. So the noise that is out there for marketers to break through themselves, but also read through, that's something that we have to fight through in order to reach to reach that particular audience. And so more content is being created as well as companies mature and innovate their content marketing and inbound strategies. More channels are being created and tested and adopted. So part of our challenge is making sure that we identify what works for us to speak to our audience and still test and and innovate and try new things, but stay stay on the path. On top of that, no company can really control what others write about them. So this is part of our model too, is we want to help companies control their customer journey and the content that they put out under their name. But there's video reviews and written reviews and competitive Mm -hmm. comparisons and analyst reports. And sometimes these things are published through a biased lens. So they're purposefully filtered. So marketers and including ourselves want to control as much of the buyer's journey as they can, but there's dozens of sources and that's, that's hard to navigate. Yeah, for sure. You're not able to tell your whole story. Right. Or other, other people are telling your story for you or taking the story in a mm-hmm. weird direction that you didn't anticipate. Right. It's kind of the, <laughs> the wild west out there in, in some ways, for sure. Yeah, um, there's a lot of power for content creation and it's hard to control what's what's said about any organization. Right. I mean, I know when I go to buy something on Amazon, like a lot of people, the first thing I look at are the comments or the reviews mm-hmm. and they're just all over the place. And I'm like, okay, how many of these are real? How many of them are, you know, kind of paid by by the company to make them look good? It's really, it can be really confusing. It is confusing. There's there's a lot of signals, and it's hard to know what what to trust and what's real. Yeah. And that's it's hard for the buyer and the the product. Yeah. Okay. So so as you were saying, one significant challenge is just cutting through the noise through this, the ever-growing stable of MarTech, of MarTech companies. And so every company has to figure out this problem, right? So what is your guys' strategy? What seems to be working the best right now? Yeah. The first thing we do, which is hard not to mention because it's a core part of our strategy, but we use the intelligence in our platform. Mm-hmm. So we don't publish anything that doesn't meet um, a certain content score threshold. Um, and is properly researched. We were able to use our data to prioritize what we focus on so that we're not blindly following a calendar because the calendar's there. We're creating content because we know that it will deliver ROI and it's something that we have a competitive advantage in. We're a lean team, so we need to make sure that every piece is valuable and, and delivers at least to the best possible chance. 
And so what typically works for us is, as you can imagine, written content, our blog. We also, we also do a lot of podcasts and webinars, events and referrals. Those are typically our, our primary channels. And the connective tissue there is actually storytelling and relationship building. We have prospects and customers that attend every webinar that we run, <laughs> and we get leads at events, of course, but we also have goals to establish meaningful relationships with industry leaders and partners who have similar missions to us and, and want to work together to forward that, that mission. And so really, it's about communicating with our audience, being a Sherpa Mm -hmm. or a content therapist, as we like to say, so that trust is formed really early on. And they, they remember us or remember what they took away from their interaction with us. And I think one really great example of this for me is actually HubSpot. Mm -hmm. They had their inbound marketing certification. can't remember when they launched, but a long time ago. And they built that trust with their audience early on, even if they weren't customers which I wasn't a customer, but I took their certification. I would read their content to help with my professional understanding and development. And I think I learned about them in 2007, 2008. So really early on in their development and didn't become a customer until 2018. Mm. So it was probably 10 years later that I eventually started using their product, but I had such trust in them as a brand because of what they taught me. Mm -hmm. It's really about the long game, and we, we really believe in that, too. We would love for everyone to be a Market News customer, but really we just want to help the audience understand what high-quality content is and how they can create it, improve mm -hmm. efficiency within their teams so that they can do more faster and be confident with every piece that they publish. Right. Okay. And, yeah, that's a great example that... HubSpot was offering you value in the form of education mm -hmm. long before it made sense for you to be a customer. Mm -hmm. But when it came time, when it did make sense and you had myriad choices of, well, which platform should we adopt? HubSpot's right up there. You've all, you know yes. them, you trust them, and they've been offering you value for years without asking anything in return. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the buyer journey isn't linear. It's yeah. complicated. And multi-layered often involves job switching and the average tenure for marketers is getting shorter and shorter. So really we, we think about the community as a whole and what we can do to educate and provide that value regardless of if they're a customer of ours, just keeping that larger mission in mind. Yeah, it's a great strategy. I mean, I think you, you have to do that if you're going to be competitive, right? It's just how how things work these days. Now, you mentioned podcasting. You're on a podcast right now, so let's talk about it. <laughs> do you guys do you guys produce your own podcast, or are you, are you guesting on other podcasts or some combination of both? We are primarily guests right now. We have, we have a webinar series that we run every other week, which is really a similar format. It's not a product webinar. Mm -hmm. It's really talking about specific topics and it's really more of a fireside chat than a presentation. And we're considering turning that into a podcast series. We're getting transcripts and we often take clips from those webinars and use them 
in other content as supporting narrative or on social. So we try to repurpose that content as well to get the most mileage out of it. And podcasts is, is on the list and it's really more, that's really more of an execution for yeah. us and, and making sure that we can repurpose it in that way. And it's not just an audio extraction that it's, it feels authentic and organic and that's, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's where we are with our podcast. It's mainly, mainly guesting currently, but hopefully we can, we can mm-hmm. release one of our own soon. Yeah, that's great. And so what do you like about that format, starting with with the webinar, kind of this fireside chat format, and then as you transition that into a, a podcast eventually, why do you do that? What what does it add to your marketing strategy? Sure. It really lends itself well to that educational piece. And because it's not product oriented, we we do those too for for customers for leases and and things like that. But it's really a discussion around a pain point that is shared across either a vast amount of our audience or it's a really specific part of our audience, but it's a really big pain. And so it's opening the discussion on that. There's there's Q&A throughout so people can have questions in and it's all live. We do them all live, Mm -hmm. but it adds to that storytelling element and it all ties back to the the thread of what we're trying to help our customers achieve. So that they, all of our webinars have something to do with content in some way, whether it's local content or scaling, or we've talked about agile methodologies when it mm-hmm. comes to content creation. And so it's, it's really about adding that extra value in terms of the learning, the learning piece and what they can take away. They get introduced to additional thought leaders that they can they can follow and learn from and get resources from afterwards. So it's it really adds to that larger mission of ours, which is to reduce the amount of bad content online. Mm-hmm. And and by bad content, I'm assuming you mean in part self promotional content, content that's not aligned what? with an audience, content that's just executed at a low level. Yes, I, I think that it's that's a high level summary. Bad content has many definitions. Sure. I think really it's it's answering the question that's being asked in, in Google and sometimes that's hard to hard to identify and align with your content. But something that is overly self promotional that doesn't offer value to the reader, they're not gonna stick around your site. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're able to teach them something and then show them that you have a solution for it as well, that's going to be more likely to to start earning that trust. That's the good content, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? What I like about how you were describing the value of the webinars you're doing, and I think this would apply equally to the podcast version, mm-hmm. is use the word conversation a couple times, mm-hmm. and I think that's significant and and, and unique. It is. And it's, it's almost like having an intimate conversation with an expert without, I don't know, without the filters and the editing, it's really raw. And Mm -hmm. you, you learn, I feel like you learn a lot more from those kind of conversations than something that's gone through. I'm saying this as talking about good quality content, but (laughs) I'm talking about more the personal, the personal stories. You get more of that that raw feedback and 
and input. If you were if you were to go ask, so I, I'm trying to get in front of more CMOs to pick their brain on certain strategies as we're going to the next phase of of our company. And so mm-hmm. I sort of see that as what audiences can learn from speakers on podcasts and webinars. It's in this in this sort of format, you're able to pick the brain of someone who would normally be unreachable. Yeah. Or hard hard to connect with without the right without the right connection. So it's a really valuable medium. And when you get when you get those folks on on the phone, on the webinar, you get some really great insights. And I, I just think it's it's a really powerful really powerful way to, to pull that out. And then you can also repurpose it into written content. Right. So you can reuse those stories and that insight that may not have originally been submitted as a pitch or something like that. Right. So it's, it can be a really efficient way to generate high quality content. In good conversations, at least, there's an element of spontaneity. And that's, that's the beauty, I think, of a discussion. That's people exploring something and learning things sort of in real time with each other. Absolutely. On on the other side of it, I was always a bit sc- scared of of going into the the podcast realm because I'm someone who usually has to plan. I I have mm-hmm. my notes, and yeah. but I like the spontaneity here too. And and I think there's there's really a lot of room for some of those magical moments to come out and yeah. really understand understand someone outside of what they what they may typically be be saying either in a, a demo or even in a, a speech or something, the conversational aspect is, is much more approachable and relatable. Yeah, it certainly can be, right? And, and I think it's a way to connect with someone on a personal level. Absolutely. And events are, we, we invest in events for multiple reasons. And like I said, the, the leads and demos that we get from those, those are, those are a given and they're great it's mm-hmm. it's we see great ROI from from events because because of planning and making sure that we have everything we need but it's it's in addition to that the relationships that we build with those that we meet there like i said the industry leaders and speakers we we've we've created some really wonderful partnerships that we wouldn't have had and if we look back and kind of take that out of our marketing and company ecosystem, we probably wouldn't, we probably would be at a slight disadvantage Hmm. if I'm, if I'm comparing because we have, we have built, we have built a strong network through, through those means. And it's really, again, that conversational piece and, and just part of that larger mission. Absolutely. Okay. Well, summing things up, what are some final thoughts, uh, something that you've learned over the past couple of years or even throughout your career in marketing that you can share with our listeners to help them better engage their audiences? Sure. I mentioned sticking, sticking to what works. So I mentioned a few things that work for us. Any marketer can attest that recommendations are consistently thrown their way for things that should be tried or new uh, channels that are coming out several this year that have come out. And yeah. we should we should be there. Everybody's there. We should be there. And there's definitely room for testing new new channels. But one thing I've learned is is being able to say no, for, not for the mm-hmm. sake of it. It's it's hard. It's it's yeah. really hard. Something I still struggle with. But 
marketers and um, content creators are spread so thin and we're constantly having to prove the value of the investments that we that we make and the effort put in put into campaigns that we run so I, I try not to waste any time if I if I can help it and and that's sort of in that vein it's it's really easy to get distracted too and I don't mean day to day although I am lucky if I can get through a full to-do list <laughs> right I really mean distracted from the larger mission of what you're trying to do as a as an organization I've definitely had to step back halfway into a year and assess how close are we to to that high-level mission and end goal? Are we too focused on these monthly and quarterly numbers? Are we really contributing to the broader mm -hmm. community and that conversation and really listening to our customers and delivering value, improving their experience? And so once once those questions are kind of thought through a bit more, the how becomes a lot clearer. Mm -hmm. It's really more about the outcome. So that's, that's one of my more recent lessons. <laughs> but I think it's, it's really easy to get kind of caught up in the day to day and, yeah. and miss that connection to how it, uh, how it impacts the bottom line. Yeah. Keeping that big picture perspective in mind. Well, that's a great insight. And thank you so much for that. And for a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.